Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, happy uh, Sunday. I hope you're uh, on your way to church or you've been to church, and I hope it was a super Sunday. I'm church. sure it was a superb Sunday. Superb Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, what is what is this? We had Black Friday. We had Cyber Saturday. No, Black, Cyber Monday. Black Saturday. Yeah. Golden Sunday. Yeah. Small Business Saturday. Is that what Saturday Giving is? Tuesday is coming up. Giving Tuesday is coming up. On Tuesday. Yeah. That's worked out nicely this year. Yep. Yep. And uh, yeah, so I don't know what you're doing today, but uh, I hope you're at church. <laughs> Maybe getting a nap in the afternoon. A nap would be good. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I love that. On yeah. Sunday afternoon naps, man, there are a few things better. Yes, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, Black Friday. Pastor Rod, you get anything spectacular on Black Friday besides your new Lamborghini that I saw from? <laughs> yeah, man. I got the Lamborghini. Deal, huh? Yeah. Half off. Yeah. So I'm going to flip it. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. drive it a couple it's times. a matchbox car. Let's just be clear with everybody. Well, that, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just a toy. Got it for 25 bucks and That's awesome. flip it. You got ripped off. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, gotta, I, I, I actually did a subscription or two that they were half off. I'm like, those are those are helpful. I, I use this one um, subscription called Brain FM, which I'm sure you won't be surprised by. It's music that's yeah, geared I use it toward. Too. Oh, yeah, do you? you? You told me about it. Oh, yeah. It's yep. fantastic. It, yep. it works. I, I at least I feel it works, and I think they have studies to back it up. But anyway, thirty-five bucks for a year. I'm about that, so it's I did deal. that. It's a great deal. Dwell Audio Bible has some subscriptions that are still going on, and uh, will probably last through Cyber Monday. You might want to check out oh, the Dwell yeah. app. Get the lifetime. Worth yes. it. Totally yeah. worth it. Yeah, Dwell is a great product, great resource. We'll uh, read to you, and you can play like. And yeah, in the background, and <laughs> and yeah, and I was, you're trying to sell it, man. You're not different trying things. To discourage them, yeah, right? Yeah, no, it's not Enya, but it's uh, you know, it's it's nice music. It's calming music in the background. They've got different plans and stuff. Yeah, they got great like acoustic guitars and yeah. soundscape type. I mean, it's great. One of the cool things I've different been using accents. it for. Yeah, different readers who yeah. have really cool accents. Uh, you can tell it like, oh, play First uh, Timothy four eleven and twelve over and over and over again. So that as you're memorizing it, you can have the guy reading it to you, and then you That's can great. add pauses between. So after he reads verse 12, he could take like a 30-second pause or a minute or two-minute pause as you consider it, and then he'll read it again. That's awesome. It's a really cool usage. I didn't think about that till recently, and I'm like, oh, it's clutch. Yeah. Part of redeeming technology, right? Dude, technology yeah. is great. Yeah. Even I, the AIs. I was just out of curiosity the other day. I, was, I opened up the Costco app just to see what was on the Black Friday specials there, and they have a golf simulator that was $3,000 off. So it was only $16,699. Or $999. You bought five of them. I, you know, I looked at Amanda. I was like, look, we could save $3,000. She That's said right. No. She said no. She said what no. if you flipped it? Well, I wouldn't want to. I would want to play it. Well, you buy five of them, you flip them, and then you've You pay for one, one that you bought? Exactly. Yeah, I don't you know if one. I've got that in me. Come I don't on. have that, that cutting edge, that killer What if we do instinct. that and have Mark do it for us? Done. Mark? You're commissioned. <laughs> they also... You can earn a commission too. Randomly, they had a, a Mickey Mantle autographed rookie card. Oh, cool. Okay, so Mickey Mantle, Pastor Rod was a baseball player. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, that's that's one person that I knew. You knew that. Okay. I don't know anything else about him except for that. How much do you think a Mickey Mantle autographed rookie card on Costco... Why would Costco have that? I don't know. But how much do you think it was? Is there? There's only one, right? Or maybe they have 10 of them? Or? I don't know. Okay, autographed rookie. I'm going to assume there's one. 
and they're limited supply. So I'm going to say, let's see. Oh, it's Costco. So there's a discount. Let's go 5 million. 5 million. Wow. Dude, that's, <laughs> see, that's where you overshoot it. So then it doesn't seem that bad. Oh, no, but 50,000. $249,000. Mickey Mantle? Yeah. Really? $249,000. That's a steal, man. I'd buy that. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I passed this time. Buy I decided to buy it. something else. With, uh, <laughs> with their $249,000? Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm like gonna a house? Money. <laughs> yeah, right? That's crazy. That is crazy. It is crazy, man. Well, hopefully you didn't do that, but hopefully you are at church this morning or you went and hopefully you're joining us in our daily Bible reading. We're Please in do. Ezekiel 36 and 37 today. That's right. Still in the book of Ezekiel. Yep. Still trucking along. Yep. Yep, 36. You may remember from yesterday's podcast, the beginning of it really goes back with chapter 35 because right. you have the contrast mountains. between yeah, the two mountains. You've got Esau on the one hand, Mount Seir, and you've got uh, Jacob on the other side, which is the mountains of Jerusalem. And there's good things for the mountains of Israel here. And God is prophesying uh, a future hope for them, including uh, part of the, the more significant portion of, of chapter 36 begins in verse 22 where we really have kind of a rehash of a lot of the new covenant language from Jeremiah chapter 31. Uh, Here, God speaks of sprinkling the people with water. We've even talked about that in our study of the gospel of John on Sunday mornings a little bit, that that Jesus has, uh, and John the Baptist, there's some callbacks here to Ezekiel 36, to this passage here of sprinkling clean water. You will be clean from all your uncleanness and all of your idols. I will cleanse you. I'm going to give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you. So, this is all language about the, the future full realization of the new covenant, which is not going to come when they're returned from Babylon. It's not going to come in 1948 when Israel was officially made another, a state or a nation again. It's, it's going to happen in the millennial kingdom. This full reality of the new covenant is yet future even today as we read this text. And so it's a, it's a hope and it's, a, it's an offer here, but it's, it's a hope and an offer that's, uh, that is, is going to be delayed. It's delayed gratification here for the nation of Israel as they're hearing Ezekiel prophesy about all of these good things. So what you're saying is the full effect of this is not until the millennial kingdom. Correct. It has been inaugurated True. because we live in the, in the new covenant. This right. was preaching and prophesying about that time for uh, Jews and Gentiles. So it's available for them right now. It's just not fully completed or realized. It's like the beginning. Um, I, don't, I don't even know where the middle is. It's, it has begun. We're not at the end yet. Right, because you remember Jesus said this, this blood or this cup represents the, the new covenant, right? Right, the, in, in the blood. blood, which gives some interpretation to the water that is sprinkled upon us to cleanse us, That's which right. is the, the blood of Christ. Chapter 37, then, we get this uh, crazy vision of the valley of dry bones. Oh, here we go. Yep. Yep, them bones, them bones, them Dry bones. Dry bones. Yeah. Um, this is an extended illustration or metaphor here uh, wherein God is is depicting what we were just talking about, that there's going to come a day when uh, Israel, who though it, it looks dead, and, and even today in so many ways looks dead, um, will be given life again. And uh, one thing I wanted to, to call your attention to, if you look down at verse 12, therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and bring you into the land of Israel. You shall know that I am the Lord when you're, I open your graves. If you go to Israel today, the Mount of Olives, which is right across the valley there, the Kidron Valley from the, uh, the, the Temple Mount, is covered in graves. It's covered in tombs because of prophecies like this one, specifically this prophecy. And the belief there is, in fact, it costs a lot of money to be buried on the Mount of Olives. That's where I'm going to be buried. That's where you want to be. Hey, I would love that too. It'd be awesome. 
but the belief there is that if if you're buried on the Mount of Olives, you will be of some of the first ones to enter into the millennial kingdom or enter into the New Jerusalem with the Messiah when this verse is fulfilled. That's and cool. so the graves are there on the mountain with the feet pointing towards the city so that as they rise up out of the graves, they're, they're ready to go. begin just to walk into the city. Wouldn't it be awful if, it, if this is one of those, the last shall be first and the first shall be last <laughs> situations? <laughs> so like, hold on, guys. Wait, wait, your turn. It's not your turn yet. Like Peter's there directing traffic. He's got his <laughs> hand up to them like, wait, 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 wait. We're going to let everybody else go in. That'd be awful. Or if somebody accidentally got buried backwards. <laughs> he's walking the wrong direction. So every, he's like, Yo, oh, Bob, man, oh, Bob, over get, here. Get back this way. <laughs> Yeah, Pastor Rod, thoughts on chapter 37? Um, well, first of all, I, I think uh, it's it's cool, but you should not read into it a a, a, a type of, well, it is a, a type of resurrection, but this is not what this is about. It is a resurrection right. of sorts, but this is not pointing to the glorification of our bodies and the renewal of our bodies. This is the concept of God bringing new life into what was previously dead. Think about Genesis chapter two, um, God breathing his ruach, his wind, spirit, breath, into his people to reconstitute them as a people and to reestablish them as a people, his beloved people. And again, it connects to chapter 36. I know there's chapter divisions, but not all of them are good. Maybe this would have been good to be connected to the last one. Chapter 36 and chapter 37, coincidentally, go together. They're connected thematically. God brings new life. Yep. Yep. That's helpful. Well, let's jump over to our New Testament reading. Get to skip Gog and Magog for a second. Yep. We'll come back there tomorrow. (sighs) Here we go. Maybe. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm calling in sick, man. By the way, you sound better. I am. Are, are you I'm better? doing a lot better, man. You sound better. Yeah. On the, your voice sounds rich and, and deep again. Well, thank you. <laughs> you don't want to know what it sounded like when you were sick, man. It's very tinny, very high, very high pitched. Hey, let's uh, let's go to First Peter chapter three. <laughs> Please never do that again. Yeah, First Peter chapter three. Um, Pastor Rod made note of uh, this yesterday in the podcast, but this is an unfortunate chapter division because he's already been talking about submission to authority. And he continues that uh, to deal with with wives specifically here in chapter three, verses one through six. And uh, I summarize this as, as just the, the admonition for wives to dare to be different, um, to, to go counterculture, to, to, to do what uh, is what stands out and what's different according to how God defines what is different. And, here, this is about the conduct of the the wife, and so much of it has to do with uh, with pleasing the Lord, but also being a testimony to the world and a testimony to their husbands. The the verse in here about winning their husbands without a word, I think it's important for us to realize that this is not implying that the husbands don't need to hear the gospel. They do need to hear the gospel. The implication is, having heard the gospel, they will see the genuineness of the impact of the gospel on the, the lives of their wives, and that will speak loudly to them to cause them to give consideration to the, the, the gospel message and potentially be saved as a result. So this is not that, that your submission will be the saving power to save your husbands, but it can, it can reinforce, it can adorn the gospel to, to cause the gospel to be attractive to them. Good word. And to the husbands, he says also likewise. So you'll notice there's a likewise wives in verse one, and there's a likewise husbands in verse seven. Again, this is still connected to the concept of submission to authority. And surprise, surprise, the husbands also have an authority to submit to, and theirs is the Lord himself. And so the command from God to the husbands is to live with their wives in an understanding way. Now he clarifies what he means by that. You're to show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. And I want to hear from you, Pastor PJ, what you think that means. And then he says, since they're heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered, it'd be good for you to talk to us about what that means as well. But just notice, husbands, our job is to treasure and to cherish the wife in such a way that we recognize their position 
And that's direct from the mouth of God. Of course, Ephesians chapter 5 tells us even more to the pen of the Apostle Paul what that should look like in terms of how we treat them and love them. But let's talk about those two things, Pastor PJ. What does it mean that she's the weaker vessel? And what does it mean that our prayers as husbands may not be hindered? Yeah, well, it's... it's uh Weaker, not in the sense of an inferiority of personhood, right? We've talked about that before in the Ephesians passage, but weaker in the sense that um, certainly there, there's physically, and this is generalities in in uh, in speaking about this, but physically, um, and uh, just in in a position of needing the protection and provision of of her husband. Uh, I know some commentators have said typically there's a, a weakness emotionally when you consider if a husband's uh, in a or a man's ability to. Uh, maintain composure in certain situations over that of a woman. There's, there's just a, seems to be a different makeup there, um, and so there's, there's that observation from Peter under the inspiration of the Spirit, who's saying then to husbands, live with your wives in an understanding manner as the weaker vessel. In other words, don't become frustrated, husbands, with your wives when they don't respond to a circumstance the way that you respond to a circumstance. Don't become angry with them when their view on something is different than your view on something. You right. may think, man, I'm looking at this logically and empirically, and maybe perhaps you are, but it's it's to get mad at your wife or to, to show a lack of patience with your wife is not just damaging to your marriage, but if you look at the rest of the verse, it's damaging to your relationship with the Lord. Yeah. He says your, your prayers might be hindered if you don't treat your wives with the honor that God has intended for you to, to treat them with as their husbands and to love them well. So the weaker is not in the sense of there's a, a, an inferiority about the woman, but it is a, a, just an observable fact that that women and men are different in so many different ways. Physically, yes. I think emotionally as well would be another one of them. Um, and, uh, and the husband is called to, to lead with that understanding there. Yeah, so it's it's no slight. Although this used to not be con... or. Uh, this used to be not be conspiratorial or controversial. Uh, that's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It used to not be controversial to say men and women are different. Right. And the Bible's okay with saying that. Yep. You guys are different. Yep. And by and large, we are made differently and therefore we, we work differently. We think differently. Yep. Um, so I, I don't feel bad about what the Bible says here. It's such an obvious, you know, hey, the sun is hot. <laughs> the night is typically cold. These are kind of obvious things that now become an issue for us. So just to add clarification, we're, we're no one worth his weight in Christian salt thinks that the wife is less than in any way whatsoever. She is an image bearer. She's a fellow heir of grace is what Peter says. Right. You're the same. We're the same in terms of worth and value in the Lord's eyes, but we have different roles and positions. So whether it is merely physical or if there's an emotional component, okay, whatever it is, that doesn't change the point that Peter's making here. Right. Our job as as the men is to love, honor, and serve you, to care for you, and to to treat you like the fine china that you are, and not like a Lego. You know, you could throw Legos across the room; they don't break; they're they're indestructible. Right. But not not the case with fine china. Women are to be treated like fine china and not Legos. Right. So, does God deliberately ignore our prayers, or is it us having some kind of emotional weight because we're mistreating our wives? What do you think the dynamic is there when our prayers are being hindered? <sighs> Well, it's interesting because they're being hindered, right? And, and the question is what, What's doing the hindering? what is doing the hindering? Yeah. I think there may be some that is spiritual warfare at work there. Interesting. That, that's, you know, when we're in, in conflict with our wives, that, that's spiritual warfare taking place that is hindering our spiritual intimacy with the Lord. Um, and I, but I also do think there might be times of discipline where the Lord chooses not to, yeah, I'm not gonna listen to you hear our it. prayers. And he's told that to Israel time and time again. You yeah. can pray, but I'm not going to hear you. Um, so and you do right by my daughter. Right. He's the same God. So 
I, I think there's a both and. I think the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. I'll try it again next time. I'll ask you. Um, well, hey, he keeps going here, and I do want to hit on a, a couple of key issues because there's some confusing things here. Uh, verse 18. Verse 18, we get down here to talking about Christ suffering once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. And then here's the thing, in which he went, uh, he was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Oh, who, piece of cake. Who are the spirits in prison? Uh, well, compared to Gog and Magog? <laughs> I guess touche. Yeah. The spirits in prison, I, I'm just going to uh, cut it to you with, with what I think it is. It is the, uh, the spirits in prison are fallen angels. Uh, they're demonic spirits. Oh, okay. They That's are, going with that. they're not souls that are, are waiting for the gospel to be preached to them so that they can repent and believe some, some okay, of our, yeah. these are old Testament saints, All so forth that. and so on. No, I think these are, are the, the angels that we see in Jude, Jude six or second Peter two, four. Uh, I think these are the angels that we see in Noah's day, which is why Noah is referenced here. These are the ones that left their proper abode in Genesis 6 and cohabitated with women and produced offspring. Some of those are the, the these spirits, I think, the offspring of those that relationship there. Uh, these spirits are, uh, are are a particular brand of fallen angels that are being kept in chains in prison, and Christ went to flex on them, so to speak, after the cross. In the spirit to declare victory over over them. Yeah, that's a safe position. There's a there's man. I had I did a lot of reading on this, and at the end of the day, I think that's a, that's a fine a fine approach. It's either the spirits that are in prison are fallen angels, d- demons, or there are people who are awaiting judgment. And I I I don't know where I land on. That. I think I would need more time to be a hundred percent. Not even then. I don't know what percentage I'd be, but I'm not convicted either way yet. Fair enough. But when it comes down to it, I know that's John MacArthur's view. And if I had to put my money with somebody, I, I'd like to have my money with him. Yeah. That's a safe place to be. Safe Most place of to the be. Time. Yeah, usually. Let's t- talk about one more key issue here that comes up a lot of times in our conversation with some of our uh, friends that would suggest that, that baptism is necessary for salvation. They're going to point to verse 21. It says here, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Okay. Well, seems pretty clear, Pastor that, PJ. That seems like Come it, on. baptism is necessary for salvation. Come on. Uh, what do we do with that? Well, keep reading. Baptism, which corresponds to this, speaking of Noah being delivered through the ark through and in, in being saved through water, right? So baptism, water is connected there, which corresponds to this. So it, there's a relationship there. Now saves you not, notice the word not, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the question we have to ask here, and if you were with us in Elisa Viejo, where uh, our sending church would often ask this question in baptism, is we have to ask the question, which baptism, right? When we're talking about baptism, anytime we find it in scripture, we have to ask which one. Which one are we talking about here? Are we talking about water baptism, or are we talking about baptism in the spirit, being placed into Christ by the spirit? And, and I, I think when he says not as removal of dirt from the body, I think he's setting aside baptism by water here and saying, this is not baptism by water. I'm not referring to that as that which saves you. I'm referring to an appeal to a good conscience. Well, how do we appeal for a good conscience? What does that look like? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when we are placed into Christ, that's the foundation for the appeal that we have before God for a good conscience. It's that spirit baptism, which immerses, which baptizo places us into Jesus that saves us. And so that's what Peter's talking about here. That baptism does save us. Now, does water baptism save you? No, water baptism 
pictures that baptism, which is the baptism that saves us, that takes place at the moment of our conversion. That's helpful. I would only add that I, I think it could be a reference to water baptism, but it, it's a reference only in the, the nearest uh, the nearest symbol. The symbol represents the reality of our salvation. So I could, okay, yeah, if you want to say it's it's a reference to water baptism, yes, it's true insofar as the act symbolizes the reality. And that's how we that's how we use baptisms even now. We do baptisms publicly. We're testifying to our faith in Christ. It's like the wedding ring. The wedding ring doesn't make you saved. It just shows that you are, I guess, mixing my metaphors here. A wedding ring doesn't make you married. It shows that you are married. Baptism doesn't make you saved. It shows that you are saved. So that would be my only clarification. There's a lot of ways to read this, but those are the two big positions. The false position is to say that baptism saves you. And if that is the case, if you do believe that, what you're doing is adding uh, works to your salvation. Even if it's a work that someone else is doing to you, it's still a work. And then we would say, well, that's obviously erroneous because Christ has completed the work that's required for salvation, and therefore it cannot be true. Right, and, and that's that's a serious issue because it, it, we've, we've talked about first-tier issues, second-tier issues, third-tier issues. This is an example of a first-tier issue. This is an issue where we would divide fellowship with someone between believer and unbeliever. We would church discipline them. Right. If someone said, you have to be water baptized to be saved, we would say that's a false gospel. That's anathema. And that's anathema. Yeah, that would put them outside of fellowship with us as far as Christian and, and non-Christian. Yeah, so heavy stuff, uh, heady stuff as well, but uh, but helpful. Uh, one other note on that, that, as Peter's writing, there was really no such thing as an unbaptized believer. So that's that's why I think there can be that closeness of the relationship between the water and spirit baptism here too. Yeah. When you became a, a follower of Jesus in this time frame, baptism followed right on the, the heels of that because it was such a significant thing. You were identifying with Christ. It wasn't required to be saved, but it was just part and parcel with being saved. There wasn't somebody who was a professing Christian during this time who wasn't yet baptized, at least generally speaking. That's right. Well, hey, thanks uh, for tuning in today on Sunday, and uh, we'll be back again tomorrow for Gog and Magog and First Peter chapter 4 uh, with another episode, Lord willing, of the Daily Bible Podcast. That's right. Good job for being in the podcast and your Bible, more importantly. See you then. Peace. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Yeah.